Support for this podcast is provided by Cressa. Cressa is the occupier's champion, the world's premier corporate real estate advisory firm, exclusively serving startup businesses and major global organizations alike. As a Portland pillar for over 25 years, Cressa partners with its clients throughout the entire project lifecycle, from workplace strategy and discovery through the deal transaction and project management delivery of space. Cressa partners without conflict and applies integrated expertise to make your business better. Go to cressa.com Portland to connect with the Portland advisory team. From that cast creative, I'm Dan Bruton, and this is the PDX Executive Podcast. A show where I talk with inspiring leaders who are shaping the future of Portland, Oregon. Every week, I sit down with business executives, startup founders, and community leaders to dive into their career journey and get insights into the impactful work they're doing in our slice of the great Pacific Northwest. Hey everyone, welcome back to the PDX Executive Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Bruton. Excited to have my guest today, Vanessa Sturgeon, who's the CEO of TMT Development. Vanessa, welcome. Thank you for having me. You bet. We're going to talk about, I think, things that are on everybody's mind, trying to figure out, return the office, what does that look like, um, you know, Portland. But let's, you know, first start a little bit about you. Can you tell us about you know, yourself and, and TMT? Sure. Um, so TMT is a commercial property management firm that manages a, a single portfolio of assets. And we have about six and a half million square feet of real estate under management, everything from a small amount of residential and industrial to office to retail. So all throughout the Portland metro area. So you really have a pulse and like what's going on business-wise in Portland, because with the retail, industrial, um, you know, office and some residential, that really spans across. So let's just get right into it. What is going on with the, with a space? What, what's your pulse of just working with your clients you're seeing as people returning? Or, or I know some, you know, businesses like industrial haven't really had to change their work that much because they've been essential. So I'd love to get your thoughts on that. Well, it's been, people are really confused right now. I can tell yeah. you that that's the main problem at the moment because the messaging has been so all over the board, both from the federal government, from the state government. So people are confused. And I'll tell you that where people were a year ago in their plans to return to work and where they are now are very different just based mm -hmm. on the success or lack of success that they've had in having people work from home. Right. So a year ago, I would have said that a lot more companies were going to have a substantial amount of workers working from home. And that was what was getting messaged into the market. And of course, in commercial property, leases are long-term. Right. So you've seen things unfold over the year, companies now have experience with having most of their workforce work from home. And for the most part, at this point, they are now reversing course and are having planning to have people come back to the office. Yeah, you know, I'm of course, you know, hearing that as well. Um, I'm also hearing from people that like you, your friends that do have been working at home who do like it, griping a little bit about going back. So I'm, I'm curious, even though, you know, people were planning, have, have you from your clients, have they been adjusting their workspaces, um, trying to maybe 
get a smaller space or help some, and we're really focused on the office, I guess, part of it right now. So what's your, what have you seen in that? From our tenant base, we've seen a little bit of people trying to contract yeah. and a little bit of people trying to expand. So it depends on the company. So right. some companies have a few people working from home or you know some portion of their workforce working from home or rotating. But what's been very clear is that people do not want to share office space or desk space. So the mm. whole, whole hoteling concept that was really hot and the downsized cube model that was really hot a few years ago, that is going by the wayside and mm. people want to be permanently socially distanced and have a permanent desk space that they know only they are using. So when they sanitize it, they know it's clean. Oh, interesting. Because yeah, I mean, the hoteling thing, I've been hearing both, right? Like you, you read about like a LinkedIn, the hoteling is going to be hot, which, you know, I hate, hate sometimes LinkedIn because all these articles, but so talk, let's talk about a little bit more for the people who don't know what hoteling is. Um, could you just give a quick overview of it? And then why, uh, like you said, the sanitation part of it, but it's interesting you're seeing that people are going away from that. Well, you have a cube or an office in hoteling that's basically like an open space that you mm -hmm. sign up for. Right. So essentially, it cuts down on the company's overhead. They don't need as much space. They've got people coming in from time to time or on some sort of regular rotation. And while they're working from home, maybe part of the week. And so it's like a hotel unit, but a desk and your docking station goes in, but you can't really store anything there. It's right. not your personal space. Yeah. And so when you clean that at the end of the day, you don't know if somebody else is coming in to use it or probably pretty likely somebody else is. So people are kind of saying, you know what? I don't want to do that anymore. I want my own desk that I know is clean, that it's a place where you know, I live when I'm at work and that's what is making them feel comfortable. And it's the same with cubes. So we went to this model where a cube got down to six by six per person and where the standard model was six by eight. Okay. And so you're seeing people want to go back to that six by eight model so they can always say to their employees, you are permanently socially distanced right. and they don't have to modify or buy additional furniture or plexiglass to keep people's spaces a little bit separated. It's, it's a big investment. And I think yeah. that we're seeing a lot of companies that are saying, you know what, this is temporary. We're going to get people vaccinated. We're going to get through it. And we don't want to make permanent financial investments to get people back to the office. So we're going to wait until everybody's had an opportunity to be vaccinated until this has worked itself out. And then we're going to bring people back, but we're not going to modify what we've currently got. Got it. Yeah, that's helpful. And then it's insightful. So that timing then, are you seeing, obviously some people are already kind of slowly bringing back, but the quote unquote full return to office, are you kind of hearing like fall or later or earlier? I'm kind of curious on the, the timing. A lot of companies have set after Labor Day okay, as their day back. Now, that doesn't mean that everybody's going to come back right after Labor Day. They'll start bringing people back slowly over time. There are a lot of people who are asking to get back to the office. It's difficult because there's not a lot of amenities downtown right now. The yeah. restaurants are, you know, there's not a lot of them open. Um, so some people want to get back, um, you know, partially. 
or fully. And we're not really sure what the state of Oregon says about that at this time. It's really fuzzy and unclear. And the CDC's provided a lot of information for social gatherings, which is bizarre because people just do whatever the heck they want to do at a social gathering anyway, right? So you would think that there would be more rules around work, but there's just not. Yeah. So, um, you know, we'll see. People are getting vaccinated at such a quick rate, but we're starting to really see that we're getting close to hitting the threshold where everybody that wants to be vaccinated is going to be vaccinated. Mm -hmm. So, you know, at some point we have to let people get back to normal. I just don't know when that's going to be. Yeah. And like you said, it's, it's a little bit of, you know, cat chasing the tail a little bit where the guidance from the state is maybe a little behind even. Right. So it puts employers in a really tough spot. And so I can I can understand um, that being a little challenging. What about from the industrial side? Because from what I hear, you know, I'm not I'm not in the industry is industrial is, I mean, growing like people are coming to looking for more space, more industrial flex space. What's going on with that kind of um, side of the fence? It is growing and it is largely driven by e-commerce. So you've seen this new huge Amazon facility out at Delta Park that's just cranking with tons and tons of of employees. And those are really, really good jobs. They're just having such a difficult time hiring for them because right now, um, you know, what I'm hearing is that it's about $27 an hour is the threshold at which people are making more money than they would be sitting at home with unemployment and stimulus dollars. Mm. So, and all that comes to an end, assuming it doesn't get extended in September. So we should see a large amount of people coming back to work, both in the restaurant industry and in industrial, when the end of that stimulus money um, comes in, in September. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I did, did read something about that. Like, Hiring's picking up, but people are having a hard time getting folks, right? And so I guess that that makes sense with all the the stimulus. So um, you know, maybe things will start to turn a little bit in in September. And of course, here we're in Oregon. This is the week of uh, April twenty seventh. There potentially might even be a rollback of some of the the restrictions as well for restaurants, right? Yeah, I think. Unfortunately, people are going to really revolt if that's what happens. And I think that is what's going to happen. Unfortunately, yeah. it's it's really difficult because the messaging is so mixed for people. You know, they want people to go get vaccinated, but then this kind of additional restriction and the extended um, mask wearing and, you know, even for vaccinated folks, at least I'm seeing it with my employees and other employees in the building it's making them not want to get vaccinated Hmm. because they don't feel that it is as reliable. Like you're telling me I need to be fully vaccinated and I need to wear a mask even outside. Um, Just the lack of any latitude for personal freedom at this point, now that vaccines are so widely available is having the exact opposite effect on people's psyche. Interesting. So it's, it's going to be interesting, you know, to see how it goes because in Eastern Oregon at this point and in a lot of parts in Southern of Southern Oregon, we're down to only a third of vaccine utilization already at this point. Mm -hmm. So, you know, hopefully people will continue to see the value Mm -hmm. 
But I think a lot of it depends on the messaging from the governor's office. That, unfortunately, I think is it's really going to send people over the edge if they continue to roll back. Yeah, I mean, gosh, this is a whole nother discussion that we probably don't want to go too deep into it. But I think that's a really, really good point. I haven't been thinking of it that way. I, I think the incentive, especially for younger people too, if I was, to be honest with you, if I was 22 again, and I would just be like, hey, you know, I'm young. Uh, the data shows I don't get as bad, but I don't know. So it's, 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 um, I guess we'll see. I mean, it's the next three months are going to be really, really telling on that. But that's a really good point on the messaging. Um, let's get into Portland a little bit. I mean, you're downtown. I see you're at your office. Uh, I'm out in the suburbs. I haven't been downtown as much in the past, uh, you know, uh, six, six to eight months. But what, what do you, as you go in every day, you know, to, to downtown Portland, what's, what's the vibe? What's the, the vibe like as far as, Work, workers, office workers, professionals. Is it picked up quite a bit or what, what are you feeling? It's quiet, but it has picked up quite a bit. So, you know, in the last month, I would say, and we track it pretty heavily with our parking numbers. So, okay. you know, we were down to like 12% of the normal population in our buildings okay. and we're, we're up um, in the 20% range now. And that, that's, that is pretty visible downtown, especially when on days when the weather is nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've certainly been the victim of some sensationalist journalism mm -hmm. with regard to the condition of downtown. But we've also been, the, you know, the victim of this continued rioting and violence downtown. And the reporting on that makes people really scared to come downtown even during the day. Hmm. So it's a struggle for retailers to stay open when the foot traffic is down 80%. That said, the luxury retailers right now are crushing it. Why is that? Well, there is a demand for luxury goods without sales tax. Mm. So St. Laurent and Gucci and Louis Vuitton and Chanel are killing it. And Nordstrom has reported that their traffic is way up in the last month they're, and they're, they're increasingly busy, particularly at lunch hour. So it's not as bad as everyone thinks it is. Right. Yeah. The reality is too, that there's so much garbage, you know, in, on the, the ODOT property surrounding the freeways and entering into, into downtown. And, you know, part of that is the increase in homelessness. And part of that is just the fact that the crew that cleans that is a is a jail and prison crew. It's an inmate crew. Um, they do it constantly. And with COVID, they have not been out in a year mm -hmm. from mm -hmm. the jail, despite prisoners having been vaccinated. Right. So, um, you know, we we really need those additional crews to be back out helping. So, I mean, you're like me, probably you're very so optimistic about like business wise and Portland and the metro area. Um, I wouldn't say it's coming back because I don't know how much it really went away. Obviously, COVID affected it. But overall, you're very optimistic about Portland, right? Very optimistic. Yeah. I just my only question is when. Yeah. At this point, it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when. And. Um, you know, I think we're starting to see 
that, you know, the mayor is extremely frustrated about it. Mayor Wheeler's made several announcements about it. Unfortunately, he's not really in a position of power or control. He's one of five on the city council. He doesn't necessarily have the support he needs on the city council um, to crack down mm-hmm. on some of the violent protesting and um, demonstrations. But it's not protesting, I should say. It's rioting mm-hmm. um, and criminal behavior. Um, and, you know, he has to rely on the district attorney and the county and the support of the governor's office, which he has not gotten at all in terms of help <laughs> with regard to law enforcement. So mm-hmm. that that's where he's stuck, you know, as much as he may want to to help in any way he can, there's only so much he can do. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the surrounding areas a little bit. You know, I, I again, I live in the suburbs and just the metro area. And I feel like it's just kind of where I live anyways, it's just exploding. There's like so many people moving to where I'm at. And uh, are you seeing that as far as on the development side for retail and even offices? Well, people are waiting right now because they don't want to do anything during uh-huh. COVID. They want to wait and see. So there's that piece. However, we are experiencing major in-migration still mm-hmm. in Portland. And there's the big difference between Portland and Seattle. Seattle's had out-migration. Portland's still having in-migration, which is why I'm still positive on Portland, Dan. It's and why I say it's not if, it's when. And, yeah. um, you know, downtown is rough because the amenities that draw people to downtown are all closed right now. Yeah. So you're seeing people really gravitate toward the suburbs and you've seen this major gap in residential in downtown. And finally, that's starting to come back. So Park Avenue West Tower, we have 200 units. We were down to only 68% occupancy. It's the lowest the building's ever been. Wow. And as of yesterday, we're at 92. Oh, wow. The huge swing in the last, that's just three weeks of leasing. Huge swing. That's wild. So that's really good indicator too. And you're getting me excited, Vanessa. I want to go downtown. I'm going to have a beer. I'm going to go. So, I mean, let's talk about just for you. I mean, as someone in the industry, I think, again, if you're a headline reader, you hear about the commercial real estate industry, it's it's over or it's been really challenging or it's you know, never going to be the same, which I think we can probably call BS on on some things. But at first, was it kind of like, what's going to happen? you know, in the industry, how has it been for you as a leader or someone who, you know, leads the company? There have been moments when it it really felt hard, particularly when the rioting was going on every night. Mm. Now that there's a really a very small group of people and they've been identified and there's law enforcement that are, you know, working on it. Um, you know, I feel more positive, but also like I, I wear a lot of hats. So I'm, yeah. I'm in the business community, but I'm also on five boards. Okay. Um, I'm the, just the chair emeritus of the Portland business Alliance. I'm on the board of downtown clean and safe. I'm on the board, the executive committee of a home for everyone that steers the bond dollars from the Metro homeless measure. And I'm the chair of the board of new avenues for youth. Okay, great. So I'm seeing the challenges coming in from all angles. 
the mental health issues that COVID has brought on for kids and in particular homeless kids and how many people have lost their housing stability during yeah. this time. And, you know, we just have a lot of work to do as, as a country and as a region in taking care of our vulnerable populations. And, um, you know, I'm hopeful. You saw the business community rally around and get behind a huge tax on themselves. Right. In order to help the homeless community and help families make sure that they get housing stability and help those who are in tents start with, you know, a stable, clean, low barrier type of option and work their way through um, a process of self-actualizing till they're ready to be in, you know, a stable housing, um, supportive housing scenario. So there's a lot of good happening yeah. in this community. It's just not going to be visible immediately. Yeah. And I think you're in a great position, you know, being on the PBA board and across these different organizations. And what I always say, and, um, you know, the business community is really tight here and the intention and the will is really pure. I think so. It does, like you said, it takes time. Um, but I think that's something that's special about Portland. Uh, would you say so? As far as like the business community coming together, there's not a lot, I think I wouldn't say there's a lot of, um, non-participation. Everybody does want to, you know, help where they, they can. It's actually amazing. It, it is amazing how progressive the business community is here compared to other jurisdictions. It's also amazing how congenial we are with each other. Yeah. You know, we, we compete for deals, but we're also really happy for each other in the commercial real estate sector. And I mean, the Rose City Downtown Collective is a perfect example of that. We're a group of 300 businesses. The organization was founded by myself and Jim Mark, total competitors <laughs> from a business standpoint. Yeah. But we work together down in the trenches because we realize very much that the rising tide floats all of our boats, both in terms of the economy and in terms of community prosperity. I think you could say that across every industry in Portland, tech, you know, retail. I mean, that's, I think that's certainly, certainly true and a really, really good insight. Uh, well, Vanessa, before we go, where can people find more about you and more about TMT? Well, you can go to my company's website, tmtdevelopment.com. You can, if you're interested too, you can also check out the Rose City Downtown Collective's website that has lots of ways to engage that was the goal of that organization was just to really provide opportunities for people to engage in a way that meets their needs, either you know, their time, talent, or treasure. So, um, yeah, you'll find a lot of businesses that are involved in the revitalization of downtown on that collective's website. So just Google me. Sounds, well, well, Vanessa, <laughs> yeah. thanks so much for being on the show and looking forward to just following along with what you and the rest of the business community does in Portland. All right. Thank you so much. The PDX Executive Podcast is a production of ThatCast, a Portland, Oregon podcast agency that partners with brands to create custom podcasts. You can learn more at thatcast.com. And please take a moment to subscribe and rate the podcast as well.